0: Welcome to episode 88 of the Fabulously Keto podcast and this week I'm talking to Sarah Matiatic and it's really funny how things fall into place because last week I spoke to Vanessa Spina and this week I'm talking to Sarah and both of them are advocates of muscle building and making sure we get enough protein. Sarah is the first competitive bodybuilder we've spoken to In fact, I think she's the first bodybuilder I've ever met. Well, we met virtually online, that is. So um, last week I spoke a little bit about being on holiday and how I was overeating and eating way too much. I'm now back from my holiday. Um, Today is the first day back and I am really taking on board what Vanessa and Sarah are speaking about and really making sure that I'm getting enough protein and going a little bit easier on the fats than I normally do which is sad because I do love my butter. Anyway here's a bit about Sarah. Sarah Matiatic left her career in recruitment management in 2008 to set up and run her own business. It was a start of an incredible journey of self-discovery and personal growth. Since then, Sarah's run a number of successful businesses, led numerous teams and juggled life as a working mother. This experience means she's very familiar with the challenges experienced by successful career and business women when it comes to looking after themselves. Having qualified as a personal trainer, nutrition advisor, NLP practitioner, life coach and solution focused hypnotherapist, Sarah has a range of skills and tools to address mindset and habit change alongside fitness and nutrition, enabling people to achieve optimum health and wellness. Let's go and listen to the interview with Sarah. Welcome, Sarah, to the fabulously keto podcast. It's fabulous to have you with us today.
2: Oh, hi, Jackie, and thanks for having me. I'm really, really honoured to be here with you talking today. Yeah, so great, thank you. So, where in the world are you? Well, I'm based in a town near Bristol in the UK. Ah, so you because you're are you do you are
0: you friends with Pauline? Or
2: I am. I'm, I'm yeah. business partners and friends with Pauline actually from Soho, yeah. So that's why you <laughs> live.
0: You live quite close together. We Excellent. do, yeah. Do you do the cold water swimming with her?
2: I don't actually, no. I'm I'm in the gym most days. (laughs) (laughs) I lift the weights instead. (laughs) Excellent. So why don't you start by telling us
0: how you came to low carb and what, what led you there?
2: Yeah, sure. So I had a bit of a turning point really in sort of my career straight life really in about 2015. I decided that I just... I needed something really big, like to take on a big challenge. That's something that really excited me. And I'd always wanted to do this, actually, in my youth, but never got around to it. And that was to compete in in a bodybuilding competition. very random at the age of 41 to start that I know but it was just something I really wanted to do and it was really the, the beginning of a huge discovery of of what we're capable of as humans what we are when we put our mind and our body to something when we really want to achieve it and of course that key word I discovered was you know you have to want to achieve something um, in order to actually get it. it's got to really hit you in the heart and in order to go through the sacrifices that you go through and there was definitely lots of sacrifices along the way I learned um, and I went on to compete um, for about three or four years after I started in 2015, and I absolutely loved it. But what I realised was that it didn't come with any form of balance for anyone who knows what I'm talking about here, and um, like probably some girls do actually. You know, they're the same uh, situation, and I had sacrifices all around from sort of family life to my nutrition, you know, the kind of level of training I was doing, and. It, that's what really led me to set up um, the company I set up called SM Power with um, the power program using the strengths model. And that was to help enable people to create a more balanced approach to success. So when they were going for something or a goal, they were able to create a more sustainable situation that would lead them not only to to, to, to have that initial success, but to be able to grow and develop from that, too. So I'm hugely success. committed. Oh, Sorry, gone sustain it to be able to sustain it as well. Absolutely. And I think that's what I found is that what I was doing was fine for the moment, but it wasn't sustainable. It wasn't something I could keep doing because it just had too many ramifications of, of on the people around me, but also on my own physical fitness and my own uh, nutritional fitness too. Yeah. So
0: how, so you started on this journey to be a bodybuilder, which is amazing. It just sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then what what led you to low carb? Because you must have been having loads of carbs. Surely you were carb loading.
2: Well, yeah. So initially, actually, I, I ended up with um, someone coaching me, and it was actually when now I look back on it, understanding a lot more about um, you know over the years what what how how that what that meant really was um, it was very high protein, uh, kind of quite low in fat actually, and literally no carbs at all but it led me to lose weight very, very quickly. Um, I went, uh, from something like, um, I think it was about 10 and a half stone to eight and a half stone. I'd never been that. I'm five foot seven. So I'd never, ever been that weight in my life. And I had all sorts of comments actually, um, from people around me, like you look anorexic, you look ill, which at the time I didn't, I mean, I didn't see that. I didn't feel particularly, I didn't feel ill. Um, I felt really good. And, um, and it was from there that I started to really, well, it was actually somebody I'd met at the competition I did, the first one I did, who I'd known uh, quite a few years back um, in, uh, when I was at the gym. Um, and he actually said to me, oh, you know, you need, to, you need to do something different with your diet because you look really aged, <laughs> Nice. And that led, that led me to uh to discover a different way of eating and a different way of competing and you know we and also just learning again one more stage on about your body so once you've done it you kind of see where your result was from that and then you move on to okay okay what can I change up next time how can I make this different how can I look fuller? or how can I look less uh, gaunt in your face or less aged or whatever um and that's that's when I actually did add more carbs back in at that stage But what I found is it was, it was quite difficult to get as tight as you needed to get to go on stage. Um, And then I kind of then did another full circle and discovered actually adding some more fats in, but producing the carbs to, you know, very low carb, having more fats in than I had in the beginning and kind of balancing out that protein. So it wasn't quite as much was actually fine for me. And it still led me and was able to hold on to um, muscle without looking um, like I'd lost muscle tissue too. Yeah, so it was really a learning curve, massive learning curve. <laughs> so, what did he tell you that that led you down a different path? Well, th- the fact that I looked older, so <laughs> <laughs> I looked aged.
0: So, how did you? So, how did you come across the idea to add in some more fats and some more carbs?
2: Well, understanding a lot more about. Um, what fats do, particularly for our skin, um, and and the fact that they cover so many more functions of our body than carbs. I mean, carbs are essentially just you know providing us with energy, aren't they? They're either storing or being used as a, as an initial source of energy. Whereas fats have got so many other um, ramifications within our body, and particular hormones. And you know, then of course that's where it affects things like our female, our sex hormones, our insulin levels, our um, what's happening with blood sugar. So I realized that fats definitely needed to be more in the diets. Um, and that was partly to do with the courses I was doing at the time. I was restudying in, in nutrition. I was restudying and um, doing some more fitness qualifications. So I kind of learned it a lot from there as well. And also I I'd um, got to know Pauline about three years ago. So again, was doing some of her stuff and listening to her courses. So um, just lots of research and discovery.
0: Yeah. Oh, good. Excellent. So for the listeners... Sarah is actually, I can see her on the screen and she is glowing.
2: (laughs) Definitely doesn't
0: look aged and definitely doesn't look gaunt.
2: (laughs) Oh, thank you. So where has your journey taken you since then? Wow. So since then, I mean, I am hugely committed and really passionate about educating and empowering, you know, women and men, I say, but we work very closely with women um, with our membership through both one-to-one coaching, but also this, uh, this female-led community that we've developed, one and myself, um, as a health and wellbeing membership for women. It's a great community. And, you know, women of all ages, mostly kind of peri and meno situation happening, because I think a lot of us get to that point um, and we kind of go, ah, something's going wrong. We can't quite do what we used to do. We need help. Um, and that's where we help women in this community in all aspects of the le- of their lifestyle. So, we cover um, nutrition, we cover general fitness lifestyle. We, I mean, we're doing at the moment a healthy hormone series um, where we're going through um, food and nutrition and how the impact it has on, on hormones. I'm covering uh, some of the physical fitness and movement side and how hormones are impacted by that. We're looking at pelvic floor next week. So, we've got a whole range of topics that are all very pertinent to this stage in our life. Um, and what's really important to um, consider for those future years as we move through to um, men, past men post men and how we need to look after things like our bones and um, muscle tissue as it's decreasing and things like that so yeah really passionate about leading this membership and with what Pauline and I are doing um, to educate women. Yeah great
0: so we were having a little conversation before we came online and you were telling me that I need to do some more strength training. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, I was asking you about the level of strength training you do currently. Yeah, which is
0: not very, it it goes in fits and bursts and I'm not consistent, I must admit.
2: So talk to us
0: more about you, especially for older women, using, doing more strength training.
2: Yes, I'm a massive advocate of it because I just believe that there's so many parts to resistance or strength training so first of all let's clear up what that kind of really means because actually some people out there might be thinking well what does that you know what's the difference um and so you've got body weight or resistance training which for some people is absolutely enough so getting on all four knees uh, sorry all fours yeah getting on all fours on your knees and doing a press-up may just be enough for some people whereas other people might think actually I could do you know 10 full press ups really easily i need i need the gym so it's about finding your level really of of your muscular fitness so what can you do currently can you do some body weight exercises like you mentioned a minute ago actually Jackie that you found squats you can do them forever so i said well w- was that with weights and you actually said no I, I you know now you realize that you need to probably put some weight on that so you need to go into a gym situation where you can use weight or or some way that you can add some more load to, to your squats so looking at body weight or resistance training it's just as powerful, you know, to get into that habit and routine. I teach women, there's about 10 exercises I love to do, which cover every single muscle of the body in your lounge in the morning for 10, 15 minutes, and you just cover all aspects of your body within uh, using these sort of bodyweight exercises. And then you've got more kind of, I mean, you can still call it resistance training in the gym, but it's kind of more strength training. You're, you're starting to build some muscle tissue, and you really want to not only hold on to it, but maybe increase it slightly too. Because as we get older, we've got some, a situation that happens that we start to lose more muscle tissue, um, just because of things that are going on with our hormones, something called sarcopenia. Um, And so we need to be really mindful of that. And so the more we have, before we start to get to that point, the better really that we've got of of holding on to it and maintaining it.
0: So they say uh, from the age of 50, you lose about 1% muscle per year. Yes, you really need to to be able to build it not just build it up but maintain it at least
2: yeah definitely and i think women are so worried about building muscle that they don't want to become bulky and honestly it's actually quite difficult and i know i can put my hand up here (laughs) i've done it it's actually quite difficult to build muscle as a female even doing all the eating and the training you have to put your muscles under quite a lot of stress um in order to create that that growth and also to rest them too that's when we really grow so i think um I would say, you know, don't fear trying to add too much muscle because it's not going to happen that easily. What you do want to do is just maintain strength. And when you maintain physical strength, I really think it impacts our mind. I feel so much stronger in my mind when I'm physically training and feel physically fitter and stronger.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So when we're talking about building muscle, keeping muscle, I think it's important to touch on protein because I tend to find, and I don't know about you, but I tend to find, especially women, Tend not to eat a lot of protein. How do you feel about that?
2: Yeah, I I, um, I totally agree. I think, and I notice that a lot with the clients I work with, and with nutrition, is that they just just it's just because it's a bit more you've got to put a bit more effort into actually having protein. For example, I love to have um, hard-boiled eggs in my fridge all the time, so I've always got a source of protein, really easy to hand, especially if you're busy at lunchtime. Whereas Probably women or people in general find it easier to grab, you know, if they're in, eating carbs in their life, carbs or, you know, fats, uh, avocado or whatever, but haven't necessarily got protein to hand. So I do think protein gets missed a lot. And also with the keto kind of way of living, I think it gets uh, reduced hugely because that's what, you know, keto is all about um, lower protein, higher fat. Um, but what I found uh, myself and working with a lot of um, women in that sort of phase of, sort of peri or meno, you know, kind of post-40s is that having slightly higher protein and actually keeping those healthy fats at a good level lower carbs is just a nice it keeps them stable it keeps them satisfied so when your satiety levels are up you're much more likely to um not be snacking as much not be wanting to crave those sugars i find that people who crave sugars generally is because they're not having enough um satiety within their food they're not having a substantial enough lunch which then means they tend to find in the afternoon they're snacking or they're looking for things to eat before mm, tea time
0: yeah so are you not built are you not bodybuilding at the moment
2: well um I am. Um, I always I'm always training and I'm always keeping my diet in a good kind of way I mean I, I tend to eat quite well anyway um regardless of whether I'd be competing or not if I was competing I'd probably have to change it up a little bit more but I've got so many things going on with our membership and with my coaching and my clients that at the moment I'm kind of just just keeping it ticking along just to see whether I might compete this year and whether I'll get to that point. But it does take quite a lot of focus and a lot of energy. And it means that you kind of have to put it first. Yeah, (laughs) And I'm not sure I've really got the time or actually want to put it first at the moment because there's so many other aspects of our business that we're developing. But, um, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I keep my diet pretty good anyway and I'm always in the gym. Well, I say always, I mean, I train every week. Yeah. So every day, what does
0: your, what does a Daily food intake look for you?
2: So I love um I love using intermittent fasting. I came into that about three years ago um, when I met Pauline. Um, and I hadn't really done anything like that before other than just, you know, I hadn't actually. In fact, when I used to eat, I used to eat, I was one of these kind of six small meals a day type person, particularly mm-hmm. when I was um, competing as well on bodybuilding and and eating in that sort of typical diet. And uh, so for me, missing meals or like going for a long period of time was just completely unheard of. Yep. <laughs> but I was also one of those people that used to get the shakes and get a bit hangry and needed food regularly. So I recognized when I started doing this fasting and and really eating um, higher fats and lower carbs, just how stable your energy becomes. And you just don't get those fluctuations. So that's one big thing I noticed. So I tend to have, um I go in the morning, I would have a fat drink. So I make up a nice little concoction, um, particularly for the microbiome as well. So I have um cinnamon and ginger and turmeric, black pepper, some Himalayan salt in there. I put some collagen in there, some cacao, raw cacao powder, a little bit of maca powder. And I put in some, either some ghee and some mct oil or some mct and some macadamia oil and i'm with that all up and i have that as a bit of a fat drink uh, probably about 10 ish so i fasted from about six the night before till about then and then i'll probably have lunch about one or two o'clock time i'll make sure that lunch has got a good amount of protein in it i'm a leftover queen i love making sure i've got leftovers from the night before so i don't have to think about lunch yeah um, and it will always have a range of vegetables. I absolutely love vegetables. I'm a massive advocate of having a range and diverse plate of color because I think it's really important for our stomach and our microbiome. Um, and then I'll have some healthy fats in that. So whether I've cooked in those fats or whether I add some avocado to it or whether the meat has got a little bit of fat in it anyway, I'll decide. And I'll always have sauerkraut or some form of fermented vegetable on there too. Mm. Do you make and that then- yourself? No, it? I don't. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to absolutely say that. I don't <laughs> I don't have time to. No, I would love to be able to, but no, I don't. I cook, though. No, I do cook every day, but I don't make sauerkraut. Um, and then I also do eat a lot of raw cacao, dark chocolate. I love the raw cacao, um, 100%. And I mean, it's just full of nutrients, isn't it? But it tastes delish. So I wouldn't get rid of that. And then I would probably go through most of the time I go through till dinner time, which I would eat about five or six, six at the latest, ideally. And again, it will be similar to that. So it could be curries or it could be um, like a bolognese or it could be um, thinking of all the things I make. Sometimes I make a big vegetable soup. I'll use Koyu in there. So I'll add fats into the soup. I'll maybe put some chicken with it or some meat. Um, And generally it's some sort of vegetables and protein that would have it at dinner time as well with fats. I'll mix it up and make it really interesting I don't just literally eat a plate of vegetables and some meat like I would have done when I was bodybuilding (laughs) you know the chicken and uh chicken and broccoli that I've eaten for millions of times
0: (laughs) yeah and I guess it was chicken breast and dry broccoli no fat yeah
2: yeah pretty much potato
0: (laughs) (laughs) I eat my broccoli but it has to be with lots of butter not just on its own um So talk to us about your four aspects of healthy living.
2: Yeah, so I developed the strength model because I realized that we needed a lot more balance. I kept having a lot of people come to me who were just interested in one aspect. So for example, they just had a problem with nutrition or they had a problem with fitness. But what I realized was, quite early on, is that it's just not one or two of these aspects. I mean, people generally have issues in one or two areas. So the the strength model is based on four key strength principles, and they are called body, brain, nutrition, and nurture. So you often find people might have a problem with nutrition or they might have a problem with fitness. They hadn't even thought about nurture. They didn't even know really what that meant. Um, And, of course, brain and mindset kind of got left behind because people perhaps didn't see the importance of it. And so we work in these four key aspects. We look at, you know, what how physically fits your body? What kind of movement do you do in a, on a daily basis? Do you move at all? Do you sit at your desk all day long? Do you take a five-minute break every hour, which is known and seen and researched to have a, a big impact on our, our metabolic system? Um, do you look at you know how you think on a daily basis? Do you have a morning? I'm a massive advocate of a morning and an evening routine. These things that you do that get yourself into the best state to have the best day of your life, to come back and debrief and have the best sleep for the next mm. day, yep. um, and then to take that through to nutrition. So, looking at what are you feeding, how are you how are you feeding yourself in order to get the best out of yourself you know, both in work and life. Um, And then looking at nurture, you know, do you do the things that actually what I call fill your joy jar up? So putting things into that, like having fun, creating fun in your day, actually making space to have fun and to feel that sense of joy and fulfillment in your day, whether that's listening to some music, whether that's going out in nature, whether that's playing with your kids at the park or whatever it is for you. It's finding those things that make your heart sing that actually fill that jar up so that when times get tough, you've already got a full jar, it's not going to get robbed of too much time, you know, too much um, energy and spiritual or kind of soul energy from your body. Mm, yeah,
0: I think that's so important. And people often forget that you get busy and you just focus, I've got to get this done, I've got to get this done. And yeah, the things that we should be doing, for me, the number one thing that goes quite often is the exercise. But yeah. also, also what, what I call play doing doing the things that are enjoyable and not yeah. work and it might be brain work but it's not necessarily work work
2: yeah and creative stuff as well just creative yeah. things you know whether it's learning a language or doing some art or you know just even being creative with your social media posts for example you know whatever it is you know if you like to do that it's whatever you, you know you find enjoyable you know playing around with some art is, is good fun too
0: yeah yeah so talk to us about the brain side because i like you said that often gets missed what are the key points that people should be looking to do or incorporate into their lives?
2: Um, well, I think some of, the, some of the important things I encounter is the language that we use. Um, and I listen to people talk and I just listen to what they're saying and I can see how they trip themselves up with the language that they're using. Because the more we tell ourselves something the more that becomes our reality so our brain really doesn't know the difference between fantasy and reality so it's really important that we think about what we say before we actually even start to think it because what we think becomes that um that that emotion which becomes the action and it has a sailor um response within our body you know what we our thoughts are very powerful so it's really important to think about what are we thinking how do we think on a daily basis and can we reframe those thoughts so i get people to really play games with that and flip those thoughts in the head so as soon as you get this negative thought that pops into your head or a disempowering thought something that's just not helping us think about maybe a couple of different ways that that could go or flip it on its head to be the complete opposite you know what if that thought actually looked like this instead and just play around with that and see if that actually works for you and makes you feel lot better and very often people can you can snap out of what you were in because you've now distracted yourself from what you were thinking initially
0: yeah and i I, words are so powerful and i don't think most people understand how powerful they are so in the in the space where we're in um we talk about weight loss Mm. but and i've mentioned this before on the podcast but we don't loss is not a good thing we don't like to lose things and if mm. we lose them we want to find them so weight loss per se is not a great way to describe it so i will often mm. talk about weight reduction rather than weight loss
2: yeah so just changing it round yeah yeah um, and i'm i mean i really like talking about um body fat and composition, because I also think that people think of weight and maybe the old school kind of slimming clubs and places that you go and weigh yourself. And yeah, you know, weight is kind of ultimately is important that, you know, you, you have a look at that if people are, you know, particularly overweight. But on the whole, it's really about body composition. It's about how we can um, increase the amount of body fat that we're getting rid of and, and shaping up um, so that our body composition is more Healthy and more effective for us and for our, you know, metabolic function. Yeah. So I'm, um, yeah, I'm, a, I tend to reframe that a bit and, and talk about, you know, body fat rather than weight as well. Yes,
0: yes. I, I say to people, it's easy to lose weight. You just chop your arm off. Or you want to lose more weight, you <laughs> chop your leg off. But that's not the goal. The goal is never about the weight. It's yeah. always, it's always something. Yeah. Than that.
2: Yeah, definitely. And, and, and then you've hit the nail on the head there. I think it's really important to help people to understand what they have, all the good things that you already have, you know, and start from that point and then look at how, you know, you can just increase the amount of health within your body, within your mind, because it's not just about our body, it's about healing our mind too, isn't it? And about getting ourselves working and living out our optimum from our mind and our body's perspective.
0: Yeah. Mm. Great. So when you're working with clients and they come to you or or even just somebody who, who feels that their life is not quite in balance where how do you start working with them or how do you start getting them on the right track
2: right so i i work with a power something called a power program um that one-to-one with people so i would look at uh the first word is p p is for purpose so we look at what's behind wanting that change and whatever that change might be because the thing is, we we all know this. We've got to get behind what it is. We've got to dig down and find out what it is that's really driving us. Because if we don't know what that is, it's going to be difficult to keep going. And I find that when you when you discover what that purpose is, what is the true reason they want to get this change, whatever that change is, they're looking for. So we do a lot of work around purpose, a lot of work about discovering the values, what's going wrong at the moment. Doing um, like kind of created this this way of giving it a one to ten. For these different sections um, in the strength model and looking at some um, picking out different elements it could be hormones it could be food it could be um balance with family time all these different um things they've got to pick from and we look at what's most important to them so it becomes very personalized then we look at the o which is ownership um, so, we look at what level of ownership they currently have, what level of ownership they have experienced in the past, where they have been able to take themselves in the past, so that they ha- already have some of those neural pathways. They already know how to take themselves from A to B. Mm-hmm. And we remind ourselves of what they've done in the past. And then we look at what level of ownership they will need in order to achieve whatever it is they're looking to do. And then we kind of narrow those up and work out how we can get to that point. And then we look at. Um, the W, which is weaknesses. So we take a look at some of the things that are the things that held them back in the past, the things that stopped them on their tracks, that they fell off the wagon as such, or, you know, stopped doing what they were trying to do. You know, what was it that was that boulder that they just couldn't climb over or couldn't run around? They, it just stopped them in their tracks. And we, we plan for that. We plan for like, okay, this is going to happen. This could happen again. What we're going to do in this situation. And we work through that situation of how to change and make those changes. And then we look at E and the R. And the E and the R is about energy and resilience. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at their diet. We're looking at the strength model. We're looking at... The things that they do on a daily basis I call them the conditions for success so we really hone down and understand on an individual basis what their specific conditions are for success so those are the things that we know that if we do these things these are going to keep us in our optimum condition to function at our best in all aspects of our life and to feel amazing and to keep that energy and to feel energized from the moment we get up to the moment we go to bed to know what we're trying to do on a daily basis to have this clarity and have this focus and feel driven.
0: Mm, yeah, fabulous.
2: Great. And that's and that's what the power program is. And and we go through that program and then we continue to keep working through these areas, um, depending on what their plan is and how long they're working through. And then very often people come into to our membership that we have just to keep part of that community of people, of women that are all on this health and fitness journey, that are wanting that, that feeling of support and of other women who are in their situation who are all working towards, um, you know, this feeling much better and, and living that life that they choose
0: yeah great what about when people fall off the wagon how do you recommend that they get back on
2: well I think the first thing I would suggest is taking it right back to the basics um, and having a look at what happened you know what was it so, I mean it's different for different people in different situations isn't it and, and depending on what level they're at but going right back to the basics I usually find people Um, fall off the wagon through overwhelm. They've either done too much reading or they've perhaps got too much going on in their life. They're too busy, work's taken over, the family's taken over. They haven't got time to do the things that perhaps they've got in place to do or they, they need to do in order to achieve their goal. And so I say, right, okay, let's just stop a minute, draw a line a sec. Let's look out what are the most important things that are going to move you forward? What is the one step that you can take? I always find it works best to go back to look. Let's look at what is the one step to take? What is the next step you need to take? And it could be that they've just got out of the habit of doing things like a habit tracker. A lot of people find it really useful to enable themselves to keep themselves accountable by ticking off on a, on a habit tracker. You know, what habits are you putting in place? What do you need to make sure that you're going to do in order to achieve that? You know that if you do these things, you're going to be a step forward towards that goal by the end of that week or the second week. Um, and actually ticking it off and keeping themselves accountable works. So maybe it's that they've not, they've not continued to do that. There's always something that you'll see that they've stopped doing, that they were doing, that was keeping things going. And so it's about just reminding them of this and and usually they see that themselves by talking about this what they've done or what's happened and they'll and and that's the best thing if they see it for themselves it's brilliant because then they they own that they it empowers them if they see it rather than me telling them for example so i try to get them to discover what it is that's changed or what what's making them fall off the wagon as such um, but very often it's just a case of, right, let's go back to scratch. Let's go one step at a time. What's this next step? What's this next step? Okay, so let's look at that. Okay, what's going to happen then? Right, let's stick with that for the moment and just send them away with a few things to do. Um, just get them out of the overwhelm.
0: Yeah, because oh, yeah, overwhelm is going to be the one thing yeah. that, that knocks us all off off track all the yeah. time. And the anyway. other thing is quite often I find, I don't know if you find this with clients, is they stop um, planning. And yes. They're not they're not preparing. They're not thinking in advance to make sure they've got the right foods in the fridge, the right foods on hand. Mm-hmm. And then then they just reverting, especially if they're living with people that that aren't doing low carb. So then they revert to their old foods, their old ways. Yeah. And that's really easy for them to to fall back. When yeah. they And they know they, they know. They should do it and they know they want to do it, but there's sometimes, like you say, that overwhelm comes in. Yeah. And then they can't, there's too much to think about. So having someone to talk to and and say, right, let's let's start here. Yeah. You just need to make a start, really, don't you?
2: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And I think um I I think usually it's because Well, I take it as feedback and I go, okay, right. So maybe we went one step too far. Maybe I need to sort of rein that back a bit. Maybe we gave them too many things to do. Maybe it just wasn't quite so sustainable because the fact that they've fallen off means it's not quite sustainable yet. It's not something that they can keep going regardless of what's going on around them. So maybe just taking it back one step. In fact, I was talking to a lady the other day and um, she just said how much she really loved lentils. And I said, well, just have some lentils. And she went, what really? What really on keto? And I said, look, just just have some lentils. They're full of fiber. They're good for you. Don't worry about it. Just have some lentils. Enjoy yourself. Have some lentils. Have some vegetables. Um, and it, just even saying that to her, I mean, I just couldn't believe the profound effect it had on her. And she even messaged back and said, oh gosh, I had the most delicious dinner. And I feel so much better now after talking to you. Because we we tie ourselves up, don't we? Make everything so specific and actually we need to enjoy the process too don't we we need to have fun with it and we need to enjoy what we're eating to begin with otherwise we're not going to sustain it and that's a key thing to also remember is you know when working with people is to make sure that the foods that you're suggesting or the foods that you're helping you know to swap up or or make healthier that they actually enjoy those foods because there's no point in giving people a food plan or um, a diary sheet or whatever with with food on it that they're just not not really going to eat or enjoy and they might say well I'll, you know i'll try to make sure i stick to this but you know they're not going to do that long term if they don't really enjoy it yeah but yeah it's a really important factor isn't it
0: yeah so have you got any tips for people that maybe need to up their protein because they're possibly not having enough um but they really don't enjoy eating meat
2: yeah I mean, you do, you hear this more and more, don't you, with plant-based, plant-based living. Um, I mean, there are so many options out there. I'm not a massive fan of all the processed stuff, really. I'm just a, very much of a whole food person. I mean, it's difficult, it's more difficult with keto, for sure, because you don't really have the whole brown rice and uh, quinoa options. I mean, quinoa's a bit lower, so it's something that you could add. Um, I'm a bit of a fan of things like lentils. I do like adding things like that in there, but you've got to make sure you've got a range of things. So if you're if you're able to eat dairy, then you've got some forms of dairy, particularly, um goat and and sheep is is got a different profile it's a different case into to um uh, cow's milk so it's got some really good fatty acids in it if you can eat um dairy um nuts obviously and seeds seeds are really good and particularly activated seeds if you're considering um going sort of one step further so just regular seeds um, for nutrients um, and just making sure that you're putting these things into your meals regularly so it's not just a case of thinking oh i've got to eat some seeds now quickly you know you can actually add them into your meals so that you're having more of that kind of protein in your meals mm. um so, uh, sorry. from a, for, i was just going to say from um, from the point of view of good quality protein if you were going to use something like processed tofu for example um tempeh would be a bit better it's fermented it's not quite as processed as tofu um but you're kind of down to the vegan veggie proteins that are, are sort of man-made as such, aren't we? Mm.
0: So when you say activated seeds, is that sprouted? Are you talking about sprouting them? or No,
2: it? just um, when you soak them and yeah. then you rinse them and then you just bake them at a low temperature. So uh, they, yeah. they, they're just, you know, you're removing that um, the outer chemicals that, that can affect our nutrient absorption.
0: Yeah, that's what I do with my nuts. Do you? Yeah. Yeah, mostly. <laughs> and then, so I, I put them in for 10 minutes and then i will put salt and oil on the top and put them in for another yeah. 10 minutes um, do they come out nice crispy? olive oil
2: yeah really, yeah
0: i have to be careful because they're very moorish and you have to you want to keep eating yeah. them that's, that's that. the only
2: thing with nuts isn't it they are pretty calorific and you don't need many to to knock up uh, quite a few <laughs> fat calories there so you've got to be careful as adding this part of your um you know, your macros as such. And again, you know, talking about macros, I mean, that's, that's a tricky one when people first start out and you're trying to measure everything. Um, I mean, I used to using MyFitnessPal in my previous days um, from calculating everything. Um, But when you start to look at um, using something like that, that could be a useful tool for people when they're first starting out, because it is difficult to work out um, how much you're eating of each macronutrient, protein, fats, and carbs. So something like that. I mean, do you use something like that, Jackie? Do you use a, a monitor? Have you ever used something to calculate? I hate
0: measuring. And I yeah, hate. and yeah. and and then you've got all those foods, like for example, bolognese. Yes, which so hard, my <laughs> husband will make. And how do I know what he's putting yeah. it? And how yeah. do I know if I've had um, a bit more onion and a bit less meat and all mm. these things? So yeah. I always find that a bit tricky. Yeah. And and so i don't measure often no that, that said i have measured so i know more or less you know when i'm making yeah. a salad i know more or less how much lettuce i'm having and how much cucumber and things yeah. like that so i have a fairly good idea of 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 what it is if not exact yeah so and when i'm working with clients to begin with i don't get them to measure at all because i just no. want them to change what they're eating yeah I, it depends it what level.
2: yeah yeah i think i think the measuring is probably more for the next level up actually if you wanted to get a little bit more specific about knowing exactly kind of the level of protein you're having and the level of fats and carbs i think it's just a bit of a step too far for a lot of people starting out isn't it where they just need to transition over to you know increasing those health fats, getting rid of all those um, processed fats um the stuff that's in all the baked goods and um, the carbohydrates that perhaps they're having that are processed on the shelves
0: yeah and i think once uh, when they do that and they've done that for a while and if things are not happening that that then becomes the time to start tracking and measuring
2: yeah rather than yeah. doing it at the
0: beginning yeah yeah whereas yeah. there are other people that that
2: advocate you measure and Track everything. Yeah, I think it's just difficult for people to know. Um, if you're not used to working with food and you're not used to measuring or tracking, you, some people just have an, absolutely no idea how much is in foods, especially when it's a whole food versus a packet that's on the back of the packet, so you can kind of pretty much know what's going on with that. But if you're making it yourself, I think people can be overzealous with fats, and we can have too many fats. I believe, as women, anyway, um, and certainly if you if you're trying to lose body fat, um, I think we can go a bit too over. i was certainly one that person in three years ago. I think I was just having too many. I just, I just didn't quite get, you know, how much I need, you know, I had to find that balance of what felt right. And that's when I ended up popping my protein a bit more and reducing the fats a bit. And that's just made a big difference to how I feel and just keeping my body fat at a better level. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. And what about vegetables? Do you, do you stick to above ground leafy green vegetables or do you have a more, more of a variety?
2: Yeah, um, I do mostly. Um, I have a whole range. Um, I certainly do not look at something and go, I'm not eating that because it's this or that or it's too many carbs. Um, So I don't particularly like sweet potatoes, so I probably wouldn't really eat them. In fact, I can't remember the last time I had one. Um, I do like butternut squash though, and I do have butternut squash in soup. Um, Again, I don't have it all the time. might have it once a week. And Uh, everything else is is pretty much lower carb i mean i I would not eat a carrot for example i would still eat a carrot if i wanted to just you know yes i know it's got more carbs in it but you know they're incredibly healthy for us they've got all sorts of different nutrients in there that we wouldn't get if we weren't eating it so i don't believe in not eating that and i train and exercise and things so i just believe we burn that sort of thing off really um i don't particularly eat a lot of fruit but i never have done um so i do like berries i do have dark berries but Again, possibly once twice a week, not very often. Mm. Um, but I just have never been a massive fruity So anyway, it's always affected my stomach. I felt like f- sugar was always something that made my stomach bloat or hurt. Yeah. So it's something I've stayed away from anyway.
0: Mm.
2: And dairy, actually, I'm not brilliant with dairy either. And that's just something else I've noticed that by not having the dairy, that my stomach is a lot better. It's a lot flatter. It doesn't feel as bloated. Whereas when I have it, I can feel some of the signs that um, are showing that dairy is not my best thing.
0: Yeah. And I think you can get to that point where you, yeah. where you do notice, uh, I have a feeling that dairy is probably not good for me, but I haven't yeah. stopped eating it yet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know that's the problem when you do like it and it, and I wouldn't say I, I, you know, I don't dislike it either. I do quite like it, especially cheese as well, but um, I just, yeah, I just had to cut it right back. I do still have some cheese, but milk and things like that I wouldn't have Yeah, um, or cream or anything like that. It just creates this sort of mucus and that, you know, we know that that's not a good thing. Yeah probably a good a good sign that (laughs) that you're
0: slightly intolerant to it
2: yeah but funny enough i've had lots of dna testing done and and, um been part of some clinical studies actually to do with um how food impacts our blood sugars and things like that and actually that dna did say that you know i wasn't lactose intolerant particularly it's just if anything it would be a secondary thing so it's interesting you've got to kind of go with gut instinct sometimes don't you and intuition definitely not just the science (laughs) definitely have you done much fasting yeah yeah. What do you think is fasting? Are you quite? So I do
0: most days I will do from supper, which I've normally finished eating by 7.30 yeah. through till lunchtime. Mm-hmm. That's every day. Um I we did um so I went through a phase where I was doing two 40 hour, 40 to 42 hour fasts a week um oh, yeah, I've, so done, I've, it
2: on
0: your I've done <laughs> sure. um i've done three day fast five six day fast i think i did 100 i think my longest one's 140 hours and i'm Gosh. currently doing two 46 hour fasts a week oh and i did some alternate day fasting so i did three Gosh. times a week 40 hours so yes. Yeah. what
2: what electrolytes do you use some pink himalayan
0: salt and i take is that, is that it yeah is that- a mag, mag, i always take magnesium yeah but since talking to pauline i've added in the um terranova complex and i was taking two plus my magnesium citrate um and now and she said take four and now i sleep It's not always great but much better yeah. than i i've done for years well Long time, so I'm taking eight eight magnesium tablets a day. Wow! Four Terranovas, three magnesium citrate, and the potassium magnesium citrate. Yeah,
2: wow! Brilliant. It's so good for sleep, isn't
0: it? Yeah, I I didn't. I couldn't believe I've struggled so much, especially in the last few. Always woken up lots in the night to go to the loo. Yeah, but more recently, I would either not be able to fall asleep for hours. Or I'd fall asleep, wake up an hour and a half later and be awake for hours. All all different combinations, yeah. and I never know what what tonight's going to be. Whereas, yeah, in the last six or eight weeks since I spoke to Pauline, I more or less know that most nights I'm going to sleep.
2: Why don't we do a little talk on sleep? Because I think that's really important for lots of people. Actually, in fact you know Perry menno for sure but there are so many people out there who are struggling at the moment from having this last two years of the pandemic in fact i was talking to somebody last night and um you know we were chatting about sleep and some sleep behaviors and sleep routines would make such a difference to people that i'm not sure everyone realizes that just how profound these these things you know make a difference to us like you know getting you know just like you would with a child you know this kind of wind down to, to getting to bed at the right time things like magnesium as well. Yeah.
0: Okay. You were talking just before about you were saying how fat is really important for hormones and, you know, all men and women, we all have different hormones, but it's important. And one of the things we were talking about offline was sleep So and hormones affect our sleep as well. So how do we how do we optimize our sleep to get our hormones in a better
2: place? Oh, oh, gosh, this is such a massive topic, isn't it? Because our hormones are so affected by how well we sleep, you know, just that, those leptin and ghrelin levels and, uh, you know, basically what we even eat the next day is impacted by how well we sleep and the quality of our sleep. Um, I think some of the things I I find have really helped when I work with people, um, some of my clients, is, is getting a good sleep routine and You know, we don't think about this as adults. We do when our children are young, you know, for those of us who've got children and, you know, you're trying to get them to this nice bedtime routine. But we actually need the same thing. We need this wind down. You know, we have so many things around us that keep us just alert and kind of tired and wired, actually, and keeping us um, going until you know, sometimes 11 and 12 at night. Um, And I've got teenagers. (laughs) I'm trying to get them to bed earlier. And, you know, and that affects our sleep. All these things impact our sleep. So I've had to get really clear myself on, on getting this good routine. And I think some of the things that we can do is making sure we set a good bedtime routine. So what time do we want to get into bed? And then we need to work back from that. Okay, so what time are we going to be turning off some blue lights and television, really? You know, making sure that we're not watching things right up to the time that we go to sleep, making sure the lights in the house are, are much more dim, you know, shutting down curtains, blackout blinds, just making sure the atmosphere feels darker. I mean, we're in the sort of wintry period still, aren't we, where things are darker, but it will get summery soon. And, you know, we'll have a lot more light around us. And we just need to be mindful that that's part of our body realizing that we're getting ready for that, that mode of sleep. Um, making sure that, One of the things that's made a massive difference to me is making sure I don't eat too late. So eating at, you know, finishing eating around six makes the quality of my sleep so much different to eating at, say, seven or eight. It's honestly, I cannot believe the difference that's made to me. You know, we were talking about magnesium and yes, that has made a massive difference as well. But the the eating has really made a big difference to me. So eating, making sure your food is digested so a good three hours before you go to sleep is a, is a really good idea so that your body is just set to do its housework. It can just do the clearing of the cells and just get its rest and get into those nice, deep, slow, slow wave sleep patterns. Um, And things that I find have helped um, people get to sleep nicely is having a hot bath so that our core temperature changes, which is what we want in order to go into that nice deep sleep. Making sure that we've got a blackout blind, maybe using an eye mask or even earplugs if you find that noise is a a problem. Um, Using some sort of meditation or listening to a a really nice um, piece of music or uh, listening to someone take you through a nice meditative and slow relaxing sleep process is quite good too mm. um, and i've used this for my children too when they were younger and that's had a huge impact on them being able to go to sleep more easily um, and also like you said talking taking supplements things like magnesium and um, making sure you've got magnesium rich foods in your diet as well has a big um, impact on relaxing us because magnesium has a relaxing effect on our, our muscles including our brain um, so what,
0: yeah. what what foods would you recommend for people if they want
2: Magnesium, well, the, well, the, yeah. So it's a lot of the vegetables that actually contain magnesium, avocado too. Um, but the leafy greens are quite uh, good for uh, magnesium. But I think you probably find if someone's deficient in it that they probably need a, some sort of supplementation with it. Yeah. yeah,
0: I think most people probably need magnesium I mean, supplements.
2: It's, exactly, it's used for like three hundred different processes in the body, isn't it? It's used for so many. And the more glucose or more, the more carbohydrates we're eating, uh, the more we tend to need it.
0: Yeah, because I. I think as you get older, sleep becomes a little bit more elusive. I think that's yeah. natural. And you tend to think, well, I can get by without it, but actually we still need to sleep. That's when our brain is processing. Um, the cells, like you said, are rejuvenating.
2: Mm.
0: We need, we really need to prioritise sleep, I think, is very important.
2: Oh, hugely. And I think there's you know, so many people I've met over the years who said, oh, I don't need much sleep, you know, four hours is fine. But I think that's the tired and wide thing. I think that's how our adrenals just keeping us going. I, I genuinely don't, I really do believe we need more than what people sometimes think. And the, the, you know, the average time is seven to nine hours that we really require in order to give us um, you know, better life, really, better quality of life and um, more health benefits. So I think anything, I think if I'm writing grating this, I think it's below six, that's not so good for our health.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, so it's really good to make sure it's seven to nine hours um, and making sure that we've got that good routine that enables us to sleep for that long. And things like um, eating earlier has made a difference to me being able to sleep for eight hours instead of seven or six. You know, it really makes that difference in the quality. And when I wake up, I feel really refreshed rather than feeling tired. So those are some of the things. And also not having alcohol too late at night. If you drink alcohol, not having sugar too late, chocolate or whatever, um, tea or coffee or caffeine late at night is is really important. And if you are sensitive to to caffeine and it affects your sleep, making sure you're having it past 12 in the day is a good thing too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I have tried because I used to be a real tea fiend Mm -hmm. um, and I probably still would be if I allowed myself. (laughs) <laughs> and I used to drink it at all times of the day, right up until I went to bed and I never really noticed any difference and I have tried I have cut it out, so I did cut it out for about eighteen months where I had no caffeine. Mm. It didn't really impact my sleep and then mm. when I started to bring it back in i I sort of limit it I don't have loads of tea anymore, mm. and I usually don't have it after five o'clock in the afternoon, six o'clock at the yeah. latest um but I haven't really noticed that it's made a huge difference no, in sure. my
2: sleep. So what you might what you might notice. So this is um, uh, Professor Matthew Walker. He wrote the book A Sleep Book, um, and we, he talks about yeah, when, yeah, and he talks about it in there that you won't necessarily notice the impact of the caffeine, but it's definitely having a physiological impact. So it it is one of those things that possibly won't allow you to go into such a deep sleep. Which is the mm. restorative sleep. And that's quite important. And I think that's the bit we don't really know whether we're sleeping deep enough, you know, because it's difficult to track that, isn't it, unless you are really tracking it? Um, and that's some of the things that he mentions in there that, you know, people think, oh, you know, alcohol, it just helps me get to sleep. But they don't realize they have quite a lot of many yes. wakings throughout the night. And actually, it means it's just keeping you out of those deep, restorative, slow waves that we need uh, to get our body, you know, living, you know, feeling optimal in the morning.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, um, um go on sorry
2: oh no it's only good to say and then you know the thing i notice is and everybody says it it just so affects the food that you eat the next day when you've not slept well you know you just kind of crave that you feel hungry straight away in the morning especially even if you're somebody who fasts normally i notice that if i've not slept so well i've almost feel hungry straight away it's like that glucose <laughs> it's something going on. I need some I need something like now um so it really does affect what we so I, I you know do really prioritize sleep because of so many aspects you know training but also this this kind of what I eat the next day is definitely affected as whether my body feels calm whether I feel like I need something stimulating straight away
0: yeah and I think if you haven't slept well your insulin will be higher your cortisol yeah. will be higher and that's all impacting on or the the insulin is driving you to to eat more i think
2: yes yeah
0: yeah yeah you have to be then then that's when willpower kicks in and you just have to say no
2: I can manage yeah. without
0: food. I can get through.
2: We'll, we'll power in a bit of kind of intellectual, rational brain. You know, actually, this is going to be better for me to just keep going a bit longer and not, not sort of get that sweets or that uh, caffeine or whatever it is that hit that I need to keep me going. Then actually, this will pass. Have some water, go for a walk, do something to distract yourself. And actually, you'll probably feel better in an hour or so and get your let your blood sugar level out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So have So you said you do some intermittent fasting. Have you done any longer fasts?
2: Yeah, I have done some longer fasts. I've done some. I think my longest is about ninety six hours, but I I I felt really good doing it. I don't haven't done it very often. (laughs) I tend to do what I quite like is twenty four hours. Actually, it's dinner to dinner or thirty six hours, which um, kind of just takes you into the next day. So it's kind of. The, the morning of the next day. Um, and I find that's really effective for just stimulating my metabolic rate. I can really feel the difference. I've done it this week, actually. And I felt like the next day after that, so not the day of the ending the 36 hour, but the following day, I just felt so much lighter and tighter and so much more, um, you know, not carrying any fluid and just felt very different. So I think it really affects, I like the effects of, of um, on my metabolic rate.
0: Mm. So if you're fasting, do you, what do you have? Do you have anything during that time, or are you quite a purist, or do you do you well, put things in?
2: I I don't really like lots of chemicals and things, so I'm not really keen on having things that have got sweetener or things like that in there. I do have electrolytes, so I use the electrolytes because I do find I get a bit of a headache. I don't know if that's just my unhealthy body or a healthy body or what, I don't know, but I, I tend to get a bit of a headache and I'm sure that's because there's not quite enough electrolytes. So I'll have things like magnesium, um, I'll have um, potassium, magnesium-potassium com, uh, uh, complex. Um, I take things like the salts, but I use also an electrolyte complex that was recommended by somebody who's a bit of a fasting guru dr mindy peltz i like all her stuff um and she recommends one on there that i, I get which is just a plain one it's just makes your water tastes salty but it's a good combination of um salts and air and within about five minutes i noticed the first time i did it my headache just went yeah so i felt much better so i do make sure i take electrolytes it definitely keeps makes me feel like i can keep going past things like headaches because i mean it's i find i don't mind feeling a bit hungry but i don't like the headache and not being able to concentrate just yes. means i can't do more work <laughs>
1: um so you- i don't
2: I try not to have decaf. I I only drink decaf coffee anyway I don't drink caffeine but I try not to have that I try and stick to herbal teas if I can um and then I'll probably try and break my fast with a fat drink rather than food straight away
0: Mm, yeah good excellent so before we come to the end and I'm going to ask you some for your top tips um how can people get in contact with you
2: So they can find me on all social channels. So on Instagram, I'm at Sarah Matiasik. Um, Same on Facebook. Uh, We've got, um, Pauline and I run a group which is called Healthy Keto Low Carb Living. And it's a Facebook group. It's free to join, to just come along and find us. Um, We've also got our membership too. And I've also got a website, which is smpoweronline.com. And that's where my sort of private coaching is. And you can find the membership on there too. Great, thank you. So will you give our
0: listeners your three top tips
2: So my top tips or things that perhaps I would have um, taken into account when I started was going easy on fat. So go easy on the amount of fats I started having at the beginning, um, making sure that I kept those vegetables in, which I sort of didn't too much at the beginning from my microbiome, ensuring that you're getting that fiber, which is really important. And particularly if you're trying to lose fats, it's really important. Um, And... Just recognizing that a lot of meals have got the fats already in there. You don't need to add so much fats to the meal because I think everybody thinks you just got to add all this fat to your plate. But actually, a lot of things like the cheese and the meats and the keto buns have already got the fat there. So you don't need to add lots of mayo and other aspects if you don't want to. Um, And the biggest thing is just give yourself a break. Don't beat yourself up if you think you've gone off the rails or you've done something wrong, you know, just draw a line and just start again and just know that you're on this journey one step at a time to getting your body into a fitter and healthier state. That's going to help you in your, in your, you know, mature years even.
0: Yeah. And you don't have to be perfect all the time. You just, you're just looking to do it most of the time. And if you do, it's not like a. I I always say, it's not like a diet that, in the sense of how we used to diet yeah and you've been quite slim so you probably never did diet but you don't do it and then oh i've not eaten i've eaten this today i'm a bad i'm bad therefore i'm just going to eat everything bad yeah this is it's not bad it might not be the best choice but you just go back the next day and carry on and that's and that's how it becomes sustainable
2: and a lifestyle, it's, it's really about a lifestyle rather than a diet as such. It's just a way of living that ensures that you're um, using or taking foods from those food groups that are just a bit healthier for your body, that are just going to keep your blood sugars a bit more stable and keep your body composition a little bit more optimal for, for our health in the long term. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah, for joining me. That's oh, you're welcome. It's been great chatting to you, Jackie. Lovely.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Sarah, for sharing your insights with us. Within the low-carb and keto space, there are many different thoughts and opinions about vegetables, ranging from we need to incorporate many different vegetables into our diet for the microbiome to others that say we don't need any vegetables at all. For Sarah Matiatic, it's important to have lots of vegetables and colour on her plate. But what should you do? Well, that depends. Do you like vegetables? How do they make you feel? What health conditions do you have? If it's important for you to be keto for your health, for health benefits, you probably will eat a lot less vegetables than someone who is low carb. Some people get really frustrated about low carb and keto because there isn't a one way fits all. We can't say do this, do that, do the other and it will all work out. We have to experiment and try different things. And then sometimes we have to switch things up and make some changes. Last week, Vanessa was saying how she's always switching things up in her in her way of living to try different things. So maybe you need to add in more of a variety of vegetables. Maybe you need to take them away. One of the other things we focused on was sleep. Now, I know we've spoken about sleep in many podcasts, but it is really important to focus on As a part of your lifestyle changes, many people struggle with sleep. Graham Phillips said in episode 82, no one prioritizes sleep, but sleep affects our brain function, how much food we eat, it affects our hormones, even weight gain and reduction will be affected by our sleep. So I think it's important to keep reiterating about sleep. And I noticed whilst on holiday that we were eating very late, very, very late. I normally finish eating by 7.30 in the evening. But on holiday, we weren't going out until 8.30 in the evening. So the time I was eating, it was probably nearer to 9.30 and sometimes later. So we were eating really late then coming finishing our meal and coming back and going to bed and I noticed how bad my sleep was while I was away I was struggling to get to sleep I wasn't sleeping well Um, so part of this getting back home and getting back into my old routine is also going to be about getting my sleep back to where it was before I went away so If you haven't already addressed sleep issues, then I would highly recommend that you, that you take a look at them and, and do some work around your sleep and your sleep hygiene and bringing in, you know, just start with one thing that you're going to do each day. um, and then build on that. So if you want to see the show notes, the show notes are at fabulouslyketo.com forward slash podcast forward slash zero eight eight. search for fabulously keto on facebook our facebook page is called fabulously keto and you can follow us there or you can follow us on twitter our handle is fabulously keto or follow us on instagram fabulously keto one did you enjoy the show let us know you listened by tagging us in your insta story or instagram post using the handle fabulously keto one and the hashtag tfkp